We are still in Genesis chapter 1. So this is our, our uh, I believe, our fourth message in Genesis chapter 1. And um, I had given a couple messages back. I listed a bunch of different scientific facts that all have changed. Have changed in the last 50 years. Some of them in the last 10 years. So when we try to fit Genesis into scientific facts, it's very hard because the facts keep changing. And so I gave you several examples of facts that keep changing. I talked about also soft matter in dinosaurs. So how so much soft matter, organic material, collagen, I said, protein is being found in dinosaurs. So I talked with another expert this week. He says, oh, it's not just proteins and collagen. We're finding whole cells mixed in with the dinosaur bones, whole cells. They said they even have found red blood cells. Now, remember, this is for things that, that died out 60 million years ago. Not, not six years ago, 60 million years ago. And he says osteocytes. Osteocytes are the cells that, that, that make up the bone, these bone-generating cells. He says they're replete with, with, with osteocytes that are intact, meaning that you still see the lipid bilayer and you still see the nucleus and, and the DNA structure there. So this is, this is utterly amazing. It's not just a bunch of random DNA. It's the whole cells are still there. So, so a lot of the ideas that we have that we assume are facts, the facts keep changing. And if they're really facts, they don't keep changing. So it's very hard to have facts that relate back to a time period like that. We have facts today, like, for example, carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is always going to be at one carbon, two oxygens. Always has been, always will be. Now, you can have different isotopes of, of, of carbon dioxide. You can have carbon-12, which is the common one, carbon-13, and then you can have carbon-14, which is the radioactive one, and then you can have different isotopes of oxygen. So you can have uh, uh, carbon-16, carbon-17, carbon-18, but all of that is CO2. Those are facts. Those don't change. So some of the things when people say, you know, I believe the facts. Well, when it relates to the origin of the universe and when it relates to the origin of the earth, you have to ask them, oh, which facts? Because maybe now you've known, you've learned in this class how facts have changed because they were never really facts. These are all theories. So it, it's interesting to, to look at it in that way. Let's start reading from, from Genesis chapter 1, verse 20. Then God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heaven. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the sea and let the birds multiply on the earth. There was evening and there was morning a fifth day. Then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. God saw that it was good. Okay, so in day five, day five in verse 20, so God now creates the, everything that's in the seas, the, so the fish 
and the birds on day five is, is the creation of the, the fish and the birds. That verse, verse 21, God created, that word created is only the second time used in, that cha- in this chapter. That same word, that creation is in, in, in chapter 1, verse 1, when God created the heavens and the earth. Now you see that again. Everything before that, between verse 1 and verse 20, it says he called forth. It appeared, it appeared, as if the origins of that were already there. Let, let, let the grass grass, let the vegetation come forth. But here he does this ex nihilo, this beginning creation work again. When it comes to the land creatures, he does this again. It, it, he, he proclaims in verse 21, God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves. So all the moving creatures now he does with this, again, this sort of ex nihilo creation, this beginning of creation, starting this. Very different than uh, uh, let there appear, let there be. So it's a different word here. But this proclamation is going to be on day five, going to apply to the fish and the birds. And then on day six, it's going to apply to the land animals, People are going to be another, a separate act of creation. But he made the proclamation on day five, which encompasses the fish and the birds. And then on day six, that same proclamation that he did in verse 21 is encompassing also the land animals. So you see that that he brings this forth. So in verse 22, God blessed them saying. So remember, that's the first indication that God is now speaking to the creation, he blesses them. He didn't bless anything else before. Here he's blessing them and he's commanding them. He blesses them saying, be fruitful and multiply. He doesn't say, if you think about it, kind of be fruitful. No, he says, be fruitful and multiply. He commands it. God commands them to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth. So he commands them to go out over the earth and they have to do it. They're fulfilling his command. There was evening and there was morning. A fifth day. And, and so, so uh, uh, and he says in verse 21, and God saw it and it was good. So each time he has said, each day that he's created, he says it is good, except day two. He didn't complete the work of day two until day three. And then in day three, he said it is good. Twice in day three, making up for verse two, and then, for, for day two and then day three. And so now he, he, he sends them forth. Now in, in verse in, in, now he creates all the land creatures aside from man in verse 24 and 25. And again, he saw it and he said, it is good. So remember that every day that he's created them, he said, it is good, except for, uh, on the second day, which he made up for in, in day three when he finished that work. Now you see in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. It is... and. And rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth, and every tree which is which has fruit yielding yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and everything that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, a sixth day. So you see that, that what he does, what he does here is he, he now says, let us create man. When he says, let us create man, remember we, said, we talked about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word for God there is Elohim, I am in Hebrew. That is the plural. Never says it's a trinity. It could be two. It could be a thousand. It says Elohim. Here it says, let us make man in our image. Look at the difference here. Let us make man in our image. This is different than everything. Before he just commanded it forth. He said, let this be, and it was. On verse, in verse 24, it says, Then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures. Let the earth bring it forth. Let the earth bring it forth. Then here, he's saying, let us make man in our image. Everything is changing now with the formation of man. And then he goes into verse 27. He says, God created man. Again, that verse, God created. That's only the third time. He said it once in the beginning in verse 1. He said it in verse 21 when it came to the land animals. Now he says it three times concerning man. Then God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. And that word man is Adam, which means humankind. But that Adam is what was then given as the name of the first man. But that word man is very much the same as anthropos, the Greek anthropos, which means neither male nor female. It is genderless. It is humankind. So then it's the, it's the same thing in verse 26 when he says, let us make man, that is Adam. Let us make man, let, it, let us make humankind, that is genderless in our image. Both male and female have been made in the image of God. In fact, Jesus and and the Bible characterizes God both in male and female aspects. Characterizes God all the time as a father. Also characterizes God with mother's characteristics. Talks about in Isaiah how how it's as if he is is nursing us as a child. Jesus said, uh, oh, how I've longed to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks and you would not have it. So encompassed within God are both fatherly and motherly characteristics. God created three times. He uses that same word created in verse 27. He created. He created them. So you see this. And God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And you will see that unlike the animals, which are fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, Man is not going to fill the earth. You will see in, we'll see in Genesis chapter 11, they tried not to fill the earth. And God said, too bad, guys. I already said you're going to fill the earth. So you have to fill the earth. And he disrupts their languages and forces them to fill the earth. Because when God says something in the word of God, it has to happen. It has to happen. When God's word proclaims it, it has to be true. It has to take place. 
And so people often rebel against what God says. And God says, sorry, guys, I already said it. It's going to happen. God makes it happen. And he disrupts things in our lives. When he proclaims something, he'll disrupt it in our lives to make it happen. Here in the word of God, when he says it shall be, it has to happen. With people, they say, I'll I'll come, I'll be there. They may or may not come. It happens all the time. Don't worry, I'll be there. Whenever people tell me, don't worry, I'll be there, I I, I start worrying. (laughs) With God, with God, it's very different. When he says it shall be, it has to happen. So he proclaimed it. He didn't say, hey, look, guys, if you feel like it, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He said, be fruitful and multiply. It is a command. It has to happen. Now, man's going to rebel against that. And you see this rebellion of man. But when he says, let, him, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. People are very different than animals. And I know everybody wants to lump this together. In Darwinism, he never speaks of a hierarchy in Darwinism. In the word of God, there is this hierarchy where God starts simple and he works his way on up to the more superior, uh, 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 to the smarter creatures. He is working his way on up. And if you take that to the extreme, Adam was actually the penultimate. Eve was the ultimate creature that was made. God is continuing to perfect throughout the sequence. But people are different than animals. God speaks. What does God do? He speaks. People speak. God proclaims things. People don't just have calls for calling one another like animals do. People have sophisticated speech. He makes us very much like God. He commands. People command. He blesses. People bless. He names. He names things. God proclaims names on things. He has naming rights. You see it in this chapter. We talked about the things he obviously chose not to name. Some of the things he chose not to name were the sun and the moon. He left those unnamed. He talked about the greater light and the lesser light. And we talked about how the sun could come about on day four. The word yom for day is used in many different ways in the Bible. But whenever it is used with a number, it always speaks of a 24-hour day. But remember, I don't want to change your view. You want to have an old earth? Fine, stay that way. I have no desire to change it. You want to have a young earth? Fine, stay that way. It's amazing. This chapter is the most read chapter in all of human history, and it is the most debated chapter in all of Christianity and Judaism. I've had more feedback. This is, I think, the fifth lesson. So four lessons have been posted on Genesis on my website. I've had more people emailing me, trying to correct me and direct me to their pastor's view. And I'm telling you, I've studied 11 different views on the book of Genesis. So I've already seen your pastor's view. I assure you, you need not refer me to your pastor's view. I could refer you to 11 others. How would you like that? No, I've already seen it. I've not even said my view. So don't get upset that I haven't embraced your view. For all you know, I have embraced your view. I'm just not taking a position. Because I don't feel it's essential. The essential thing is that we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we believe in our heart that he's risen from the dead. And with that, you shall be saved. It never says you got to believe this sort of account in the book of Genesis or that sort of account. So I want to stick with the essentials in this. But you see that, that God makes things. He makes things freely. He creates things. 
People make things freely. He create, they create them. <clears throat> Not ex nihilo, but they build them. When it says in verse 26, and subdue it, subdue the earth, this to me speaks volumes to me. You think that, oh, look at this guy just trying to abscond the word of God for himself. No, as a scientist, I look at this and I say, Lord, you told me to subdue the earth. You are the one who had commanded us to do these things. This is what I do. This is my job to discover new things, to make them do what I want to do, to put molecules together the way I want to put them together. Yeah, there are certain laws of thermodynamics I have to abide by, but I get to do this. People get to do this type of thing. That's the beautiful thing about being a scientist. You know, if, if I were just uh, you know, a, a physician, I got to do whatever I'm told to do. You know, you, you can't be a physician and come in and say to your, your patient, I'm going to try something new on you today, <laughs> something that's never been done before. You're not allowed to do that. But as a scientist, you do that all the time. You try new things all the time. <clears throat> he says, you're to subdue this, subdue the earth. God looks and he beholds the world. You know, the, the, the universe, creation, never had consciousness of itself prior to his making man. Prior to his making humankind, all of a sudden it has consciousness of itself. God addresses the living creatures. He blesses them. He addresses the living creatures. We can address things. We can address living creatures. God has speech. He has reason. He has freedom in doing things and making the powers to do this. He gives us this. He allows us to judge. There was no judgment before this. There was no judgment before humans set foot on this earth. Darwin never tried to have a hierarchy. He actually makes notes in his notebook, don't have a hierarchy. And then you can see him forcing himself not to have a hierarchy. If there's any hierarchy in Darwinism, it's survival of the fittest, which means that the Texas cockroach would be the highest you could actually get if you go by that. Humans alone speak to make plans. And then they carry out those plans, complex plans for the future. This is what we do in science. We we map things out of of what we're going to do. And we just go and we do these things, things that have never been done before. These plans that we make guide us. They conduct us in, in, in our actions. So we're very different than other animals. Very different. But we are still on the same plane as animals in many sense. We're created on the same day. We were both created on the sixth day. We both have, you know, you take an animal, it has kidneys, it has a stomach, it has a liver. And in so many, many ways, we're very much like animals. And this is the place in which people sit. They sit somewhere between God, which they are not, and animals, which they are not. He's put us in this, in this separate place. Intentionally, that's what you see here. He's put us in this separate place. He says here in verse 29, he gives us every plant yielding its seed. So he has to feed us. He doesn't have to feed himself. God doesn't have to eat. People very much have to eat. So we are dependent upon him. We would like to sometimes exalt ourselves to be like God's. We are not. We are dependent upon eating. He says, I am giving to you plants to eat, just like I'm giving to all the other animals. I'm sustaining you with that. You cannot be sustained by yourself. 
after everything that he created, he said it is good. Except man never said it is good. So in, ver- in verse uh, uh, 27, he talks about how cre- he created them. He blessed them. In verse 28, never said it is good. He ultimately, at the end of day six, he looks over all creation and he says it's very good. In verse 31, God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. It was very good. God saw it all and said it was very good. The totality of what he had created, he said it was very good. Never said that about human beings. Because we don't know. Because he's given this amazing autonomy to a human being. Will you be good or will you not? Some people want to worship nature. They think, oh, you know, nature is so grand, you know. There is absolutely nothing in nature that speaks to us about morality. Nothing. Nothing in nature that speaks to us about marriage or adultery. Nothing. Nothing in nature tells us that adultery is wrong or cannibalism. Nothing in nature would tell you that cannibalism is wrong. There's no instruction there. Nothing in nature would tell us that stealing is wrong. The cosmos does not tell us that. Look at the stars. All you want. It's not going to instruct you about how to interact with other people. How you interact in human society. That instruction is not there in the cosmos. So you want to worship that? You want to worship the sun, which he himself didn't even name because he knew our tendency would be to go and worship that thing? He himself didn't even name the moon. He named all sorts of other things. He didn't name the sun and the moon. The sun and the moon will never instruct you on the moral things. That comes separately. That's what he does. He instructs us separately on that issue. The cosmos do not define anything. It says in, in, in Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory, the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. But they say not one bit about how man ought to live with other human beings around him. Nothing. It's devoid of that. God instructs us in that separately. Go to, to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. And you'll see this massive instruction where he gives us very good definition on what we are supposed to be doing. Deuteronomy chapter 4, reading from verse 15. So watch yourselves carefully, since you did not see any form on the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb from the midst of the fire, so that you do not act corruptly and make graven images for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the sky, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water below the earth. And beware not to lift up your eyes to heaven and see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the host of heaven and be drawn away and worship them and serve them. Those which the Lord your God has allotted to the peoples under the whole heaven. You see the warning here. He says, don't worship creation. He says, you're separate from this. Creation isn't going to teach you any of this stuff. And then he begins to instruct us. But the Lord has taken you. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse, verse 20. 
But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be the people for his own possession as to today. And then then he goes on, he begins to instruct us in things. You look at the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, very specific. He says, you don't mess around with your neighbor's wife. You don't steal things. You don't murder. You don't commit adultery. You don't steal. He gives us all this interaction. He first instructs us in the, in, in, in the first commandments. He's, it's, it's all about God, how we interact with Him. And then in the latter half of the commandments, it's all about how we interact with other people. He instructs us in this. The earth itself never speaks to us on this. If you look in verse 20, of Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. All of a sudden, he does this total difference. Everything else, he was just speaking, let this happen, this happen, this happen, commanding these things to happen. Boom, it happens. Then he stops. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Christians would love to say this speaks of This is the Trinity right here. It doesn't say Trinity. It does speak of plurality in the Godhead. The Jews take this and they will say God is speaking to angels. Well, there are cases in the Bible where God is speaking to angels, but he announces it that he's speaking to the heavenly host there. Here, there are no angels ever mentioned in Genesis chapter 1. Zero. Zero other heavenly host ever mentioned. He is clearly distinguishing himself from all other heavenly beings. This is not the outcome, the outgrowth of some sexual relationship between some gods or some warring things that have come down and formed the earth. He tells us very specifically, he made this stuff. And I will tell you, as a scientist, there are no facts that we have around this. Zero. No facts. We have theories around this. And the theories, as I've shown you over the last few weeks, keep changing. What are you going to do with whole intact osteocytes, whole intact cells in dinosaurs that were supposed to have lived 60, died off 60 million years ago? What are you going to do with that? I remember when I saw the strands of collagen, these fibrous strands, and, and and I read, I said, how do these, how do these, Last, you have all these impacts of interstellar particles are hitting us all the time. I mean, you can measure this. You can put little sensors and then boom, boom. You hear tick, 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 tick. I mean, interstellar particles hit us all the time. And they come with so much power. They just go right through us, so much energy. Whatever they hit, they break. Any DNA molecule, boom. Anything they hit, they break. Very high energy. It's a good thing we have enzymes that, that fix up the DNA. But 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 all of these things are are... are are held together, and then all of a sudden the, the, they're hit with, with this, uh, with this, with, with these interstellar particles. And they said, "Well, they're fibrous, so if it breaks, there's nothing for it to do, so it just comes and springs back." I'm thinking, what kind of organic chemistry class did you take? When you break and you go to two radicals, half the time you're going to get disproportionation with with, with, with the beta hydrogen, and it's not going to come back. They never said that. These things get destroyed. And now it's no longer just a bunch of fibers. Now you got the whole cell. How are you going to explain that one away for 60 million years? I don't have an answer for that. I'm just saying all these things are suspect now. It is now commonplace among dinosaur bones to find soft matter and osteocytes. 
You say, well, why didn't people find them before? Because they didn't look, because they didn't assume it could ever be around there. Here he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. You see the whole personal part of this. The whole part becomes personal now. Turn to, to, uh, to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, we see the whole personal part taking place here. In John chapter 1, we've looked at this before in the sense that Jesus already was. Remember, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now here, it says in, it says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus was already in the beginning. God did not create Jesus. Jesus is God. He always has been God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing has come into being that has come into being. You want to know who was creating there in Genesis chapter 1? Jesus was creating. All things came into being through Him. We are introduced to God in the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're introduced in verse 2 to the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit was brooding over the waters. We are told here in John that it was Jesus that was active there. Within the Trinity, Jesus was active. In verse 4, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jesus is our life. Everything is embodied in Christ. Everything is in Him. We look to Him. It is all embodied in Him. Jesus was the one who was creating. All embodied in Him. In Him was life, and life was the light of men. What is it that puts light within a life? It is Jesus. Jesus, the light of Christ. I can look at a person. I can, I can talk to a person for 10 seconds and know if they love the Lord. I can. I see the light of life there. If they are a person of prayer, man, it just comes glowing right out of them. How did the scriptures tell Ananias about Paul? He said, Ananias, go and pray for Paul. He said, Paul? Saul? He says, go and pray for Saul. Saul? I mean, that persecutor of the church? He means us much harm. He says, you go and, you go and pray for him. You'll recognize him because he is praying. Behold, he is praying. This is the mark of the believer. He prays. If you do not pray, you'll have very little of the light of life in you. Very hard for people to discern who you are. If you are a person of prayer, a person who spends time in prayer, it comes glowing out of you. Because you're surrounded by the light and the life of Christ all the time. His light shines in you. He is the light. He is the one that gives us light. If you do not pray, I implore you to pray, to spend some time. You say, how do I do it? Let me describe to you how you can do it. It's not the only way, but let me describe a way. Get on your knees in your room and say, and start speaking to the Lord and say, Lord, I have a terrible time praying. Would you help me? Teach me how to pray. Teach me how to pray. Look at John 17 and, and, and see the way Jesus prayed. See the way he prayed. And start speaking like that to the Lord. And start praying for needs. You say, well, what do I pray for? 
Here, let me give you another suggestion. How about you pray for me? You got nothing else to pray for? Pray for me. I will take your prayers. Pray for me. Pray for, pray for my health. Pray for my work. Pray for my ministry. Pray for my research. Pray for my family. It'll keep you busy. All right? I got four children. Pray for my four children. I have two grandchildren. Pray for them too. You know, you want something to pray for? Pray for them. Pray for this class that the power of God goes forth. You do this and the light of Christ starts to fill you. John chapter 1 verse 6. There came a man from God whose name was John and he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. And there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. What enlightens you? It is Christ. If you do not know Christ, you will never have the light of Christ and the light of God in your life. And if you know Christ and you do not spend time in the presence of God in prayer, there will be very little difference between you and the rest of the world. To just say, I've received the Lord, that's a great first step. But we must spend time with Him. Verse 10, He was in the world and the world was made through Him and the world did not know Him. Look at that, the world was made through Him. Jesus was the one there in Genesis chapter 1. Jesus was the one speaking, let us make man in our image. Yeah, let's do it. Let's make somebody with a capacity to think, to reason. A capacity to do things. To make plans. To subdue the earth. And in subduing the earth, it was to care for the earth as well. Let's do that. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Here is the secret. If you do not know the Lord, believe on him. The scriptures say, believe in him. Believe in him. He commands us in 1 John chapter 3, verse 23, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his commandment. Believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 16, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your family. It will affect your family too. This is the message. Believe on Him. To all those who believe, He gave... But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name, who are born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. There is a new birth in Christ. A new birth that comes in Christ. And in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus became flesh. You see the personalization when it comes to the creation of human beings. It is personalized. It is not God afar off. We don't have a religion where God is far off. God is personal. And he will have a relationship with you, to the depth that you want it. You want to spend time with him? He's there with you. You don't want to spend time with him? You lose out. He's totally fulfilled in himself. To the extent that you want a relationship with God, he will have a relationship with you. You have a life of prayer and you will begin to be filled with the light of God. This is what he tells us. This is what he instructs us. He is the light of men. He is the light of humankind. 
His light will begin to fill you. It will change your life when you spend time with Him. If you don't know the Lord, I encourage you, this day, accept the Lord. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on Him. It is actually a commandment. Believe on Him. Now, you may disobey, but He's commanding you. He says, this is His commandment, to believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. Believe on Him, and you will be saved. You and your household. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your mercies. Lord, thank you for this word. Your word is true. And Father, I pray for these young people that they would see that your word is true. Father, I pray that they would take hold of your word and they would go deeper. And they would spend time in prayer, which is the mark of a Christian. That they would learn to spend time in prayer. Father, your mercies be upon them. That they would spend time in prayer. The grace of God be there. Lord, your mercies be there upon these young people. And for those who do not know you, I pray, Lord, that this day they would pray, Lord, forgive me, a sinner, and come into my life. Forgive me and come into my life. I believe Jesus is the Son of God and they would believe in His name and they would have this new life to become a child of God. Father, I commit these young people in the name of Jesus. Amen.